Well, let's continue our journey together in the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to be looking once again in uh, this incredible passage on the armor of God. We've been jumping into uh, this armor series and we've been having the time of our lives. God has been so kind to us. He's been shaping and molding us. It's been so cool to jump into God's word as we gather for worship, but also uh, jumping into God's word with our V groups. We love what God's doing, uh, what I like to call in the air war and in the ground war. Air war is these kind of worship gatherings where we're preaching the word. The ground war is where we're gathering in groups and and we're living for Jesus uh, in our neighborhoods and in our city and in our world. Today, we're going to look at the second piece of armor out of six. We're going to be looking at the breastplate of righteousness. And as I shared with you last week, I want to do something unique as we look through these six pieces of armor. So midweek, I need your help. Let's stand right now in honor of the word of God and let's read um, these six pieces of armor. Um, you'll see there in Ephesians chapter six, verse 14 through 17, um, you see this begin with stand therefore, right? Uh, this is the third time that we've been given this play by God. Uh, we've been called to stand against. We've been called to stand firm, right? And so we are going to stand therefore. So symbolically, even physically right now, if you're watching at a coffee shop, freak everybody out. Just stand at attention right now. We're kind of like standing at attention before our God, our commander in chief, who's about to give us some really important stuff here. Stand therefore. Verse 14, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So there's your first three pieces of armor. Here's your next three in verse 16. In all circumstances, so that's interesting because I've been telling you all the first three you should always have. Um, maybe we should keep all six on at all time. So you're going to find the next three are about taking up and, and taking up at different moments of battle or spiritual warfare, moments in your life. Um, I would just go ahead and encourage you, keep these on, take these up all day, every day. But in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation, that helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is the Word of the Lord. Thank you, guys. Y'all may be seated. You may be seated there in your coffee shop. Hope you enjoy your caramel macchiato. Um, let's look at the Word of God together. So last week, uh, we talked about the belt of truth. And we talked about how we want to be a people that love truth and that love living out truth. This week, we're going to look at the breastplate of righteousness. And man, I'm fired up about this sermon today. In verse 14, you see, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of of righteousness. Um, Pastor Jake and myself got to take a trip with some leaders and some pastors to Montana. 
It was like my third or fourth time being in Montana. I had done some things out towards Glacier National Park before, preached at a church out there. But this was the second time that I actually went to southwest um, or southeast Montana. And in southeast Montana, just kind of below Billings, Montana, is this beautiful ministry called Refuge that invites leaders, Christian leaders, to come in and enjoy just a refuge in Christ. And so it was healing for me and Pastor Jake to be there. If I missed you last week, man, I'm so excited to continue to hopefully get to know you. But it was a much-needed rest. And we go to this place. It's around the Bighorn River. And uh, I got to experience something for the first time in my life. I wish the first time I went, which was about four years ago, uh, Pastor Jake was there as well, that I would have been able to do this. But there was a little bit of difference in our trip then and our trip uh, now that we went to. Um, when I went four years ago, it was in November and it was negative 12 degrees. And so for the first time in my life, I went duck hunting. And it was amazing, but this boy from Louisiana uh, was not loving negative 12 degrees. I actually shot ducks with Jeff Robertson of Duck, uh, what is it called, Duck Dynasty or something like that. And, and, you know, like, it was really embarrassing, but nonetheless, I had fun. When they handed me a fly fishing rod in negative 12 degree weather, I saw guys who knew what they were doing struggling because every time they would cast a line out, it would freeze. So I was like, I ain't doing fly fishing. There ain't no way. I'll just stick with the duck hunting this trip. Well, this time we went to Montana, it was in the 80s. I mean, it was actually warm in Montana. I was like, it is time, it is go time. I'm ready to fly fish. So the first day we get out there and they take us on a pontoon boat kind of in the Big Horn Canyon. And if you can just imagine like a smaller version of the Grand Canyon filled up with water. And it was beautiful cliffs on both sides and we take this pontoon boat ride and we eventually get to this campground. We enjoy some good brats. I mean, we're doing like some real man camping type of things here. And then um, the guides that were there with us kind of gave us a practice turn with some fly fishing rods. And I was like, here's my moment. Here's where I'm going to learn how to do this. And if I can just be honest, Pastor Jake wasn't much help. When I asked him, Jake, how do you fly fish? He did something like, like, okay, Jake, that doesn't help me, all right? So I'm going to ask someone that knows what they're doing. So um, I, I get a lesson from one of our guides, and he starts to teach me. And he was honest. He said, look, there's not many fish in this little area um, but tomorrow we're going to hit the Bighorn River. And you might want to get a few reps in right now. And so Jake can tell you, I kind of got in the zone. And I just went over and I started practicing. You know, doing you know, one of his moves. And, and I was doing all this and I really could care less about fishing or even catching any fish. I was working on how to fly fish. The next day happened. And man, we had another spectacular day, but the weather started to shift a little bit, and it was game time. And I want you to know, your pastor, I caught some fish. It was amazing. We went out there, but it was a little bit more difficult. You see, this time, we're on a boat that's moving. There's a guide on that boat and another person on that boat with a fishing rod fishing. So I'm really nervous that I'm going to hook somebody as I try to do this. There's rapids. 
There is wind. There is the cold air. There's a guide yelling me, mend the line, mend the line. I don't know what mend means, but he's telling me to mend the line. And um, I'll just tell you, if I hadn't practiced the day before, there was absolutely no way in that setting on a boat moving down the rapids that I had any hope of actually catching a fish. I'd have quit. There's no doubt in my mind I would have just sat still, enjoyed my coffee, got some leftover brats, and watched everybody else fish. But because I had practiced the day before, I actually knew what I was doing. And I got to maximize my experience on the river. I hope you can see where I'm going. See, we're going to talk about righteousness and a lot of people think that righteousness is just going to happen. I want you to know that if you want to truly experience the breastplate of righteousness, this is going to take time. This is going to take practice. This is going to take hard work. The most powerful thing that you can cultivate in your life is the breastplate of righteousness as a follower of Christ. But it's not going to be easy. I'm just letting you know. No sermon series or Bible study is going to be some secret little you know, pill you can take that all of a sudden makes you righteous. No, it's going to take hard work. Because righteousness is obtained through an obedience to God and his word. Now, people ask me all the time, when do you know you're becoming righteous? <laughs> well, just uh, check out my wife. No, I'm just kidding. Like, she is righteous, but I, I do believe that there's some ways in which you can find out whether or not you're becoming righteous. But believe it or not, true righteousness is happening in your life when everything gets harder. Or... When you're under attack, or when the conditions aren't great, or when you're not just standing on the shoreline of a lake with perfect conditions, but you're in a boat and rapids are going and someone's yelling at you and there's wind and you don't know what to do. I truly believe that if you want to answer the question, when am I becoming more like Christ? Consider asking yourself how you acted when everything stacked up against you to follow Christ. And I would say if you are still holding the line, if you are still being faithful to God, even when everything in your life is telling you not to be, now you're experiencing true righteousness. True righteousness is not found on a Sunday as I'm preaching. True righteousness is found on a Monday when I'm not on a stage preaching. True righteousness is not found in front of people. True righteousness is found in your prayer closet. You see, we want to talk about righteousness. And we want to cultivate this breastplate of righteousness. Now, before I've got some points for you, let's consider this piece of armor. I'm just going to read because there's no way I'll get through all this today. But let me read this description of the breastplate. You see, the breastplate for a soldier was generally made of iron, though some wealthier soldiers may have worn a bronze breastplate. 
It consisted of overlapping pieces of metal with connecting front and back sections. Um, there were rounded pieces protecting the shoulders, and the breastplate usually kind of rested on the soldier's hips so that the entire weight wasn't carried on the shoulders. The overlapping pieces allowed for more flexibility of movement during combat, and this piece of armor mostly was important because it protected the vital organs. Think about what's here. Protected the vital organs of the soldier during battle. So, as a soldier's breastplate protected his chest from an enemy's attacks, so does sanctifying righteous living protect and guard a believer's hearts against the attacks from the enemy. We're standing against the schemes of the devil. I love how one commentary said, as the breastplate defends the heart and lungs and all those vital functionaries that are contained in what is called the region of the thorax, so this righteousness defends everything on which a man's spiritual existence depends. So I want us to consider midweek, I want us to consider two perspectives. I want you to write this down, kids, if you're watching at home right now, you want to write down these two things because it's really important. First of all, we're going to consider the righteousness of God. Secondly, we're going to consider the righteousness of the church. Let's consider, first of all, the righteousness of God, or to put it another way, God's work in us, the righteousness of God. Number one, I want us to know this, the command to Jesus. We're considering the righteousness of God first. The command to Jesus. Can I assure you that he paid it all? Anyone thankful for Jesus? He paid it all. Do y'all know? And this is why I've described it this way the command to Jesus, that God commanded Jesus to die for us. Um, you can go and read, before the cross, Jesus prayed at the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew chapter 26. He said, My Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will, my Heavenly Father. Man, I don't know if you've been journeying with Christ a long time or a short time. But I pray I never get over the fact that Jesus paid it all. I pray that I never, because there's a, there's a, a righteousness out there that's really dangerous called self-righteousness. And so those of us who are in Christ, we never talk about our righteousness without first talking about the righteousness of God. You see, Jesus obeyed God. And the reason why he obeyed God is because Jesus is the only substitutionary atonement to appease the wrath of God in our life. Because of our sin, we're separated from God. But because Jesus came, he lived, he died, he defeated sin, death, and hell, we have been offered redemption 
in Christ Jesus. Forgiveness of our sins. I pray you know Jesus today. If not, will you trust in Jesus? He loves you. See, we found here the command to Jesus. Philippians 2, 7 through 8 says this, But Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Thank you, Jesus. So we see the command here. Secondly, I want you to know, in considering the righteousness of God, we see the covering by Jesus he has clothed sinners. The covering of Jesus. We're going to consider how Jesus, when we surrender our lives to Christ, clothes us in his righteousness. The breastplate of righteousness is received and put on through faith as God gives us his righteousness. There's an amazing scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, says this, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is what theologians call imputed righteousness. I'm thankful for the command. I'm thankful for the covering but number three, I want you to know there's the challenge from Jesus. And when it comes to the righteousness of God, we know that this righteousness, he empowered the church. To be clothed in the righteousness of God actually means that you have one of the most powerful offensive weapons in the world. God and his righteousness. I love, I read this in a book this week. It says this. There is a breastplate of righteousness. When a man is clothed in righteousness, he cannot be moved. Words are no defense against accusations, but a good life is. Once a man accused Plato of certain crimes, well then, said Plato, we must live in such a way as to prove that his accusations are a lie. The only way to meet the accusations against Christianity from the world and from the enemy is to show how good a Christian can be in Christ. See, the challenge from Jesus is this, that in the righteousness of God, we are empowered with his righteousness. So let's talk about us. Because this breastplate of righteousness is just not talking about a one-time deal upon salvation where we've been clothed in the righteousness of God. No, it talks about the day-to-day -day cultivating of this breastplate of righteousness. The getting out there and practicing before you get out there and actually hit the river. So let's consider, secondly, the righteousness of the church or our work for Christ. I, I love talking about my, my wedding ring. My, my wedding ring symbolizes a moment for me. It symbolizes that moment when I married Annabeth, my wife. And, and when I married her, I, that wedding day was so amazing. At that point, I really don't think I'd ever cried in my life, and I boohooed. The moment those doors opened, man, I boohooed. And it was ugly crying. It was 
it was real ugly crying. And, and we had a moment where we said, I do. At that moment, my identity changed. I became a husband to my wife. But anybody that has this will let you know that just because I said I do, and just because we are finally married, doesn't mean that I had reached the pinnacle of being a husband. Didn't mean that our marriage had reached the absolute greatest place that it could ever be. Thus it is with Christ. I want you to know that marriage has been a lot of hard work. It's been a lot of practice. It's been a lot of talking. It's been a lot of um, recovering from sin and redeeming ourselves from that sin and coming back together. And so is the life of righteousness in Christ. Yes, in Christ Jesus, you are clothed in his righteousness. He has paid for that with his blood. But in Christ Jesus, we can also grow to become more like Christ every single day. So I want to talk just a few things about the righteousness of the church. Number one, our surrender. I just can't leave this first. Because some of y'all might be trying to live for Jesus without Jesus. And your first step towards the righteousness of God is your surrender. Because when you surrender to Christ, it means that we are justified by Christ. We are clothed in the righteousness of God. When you are in Christ, you've denied yourself. You've taken up your cross to follow Christ. That's why I love in Romans chapter 3, verse 22 through 24, it says, The righteousness of God is obtained through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. And there's no distinction. It says, verse 23, all have sinned. Raise your hand if you're a sinner in the house. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But if you've believed in Jesus, verse 24 says, and are justified by his grace as a gift, right? Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Once again, I'm going to ask you, Will you trust in Jesus today? See, if you want to be on team Jesus, experience the righteousness of God, you got to surrender. But number two, we got to consider our transformation. Our transformation. Not only are we justified by Christ, but in regards to the church, we are sanctified throughout life. This is the point and process of our salvation. This is the working out of what it means to follow Christ. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, it says, And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Day to day, growing in Christ. Man, y'all been loving our V group time. Like, God's been doing so many cool things. We got together this past week as we together put on the armor of God with our six-day armor challenge. Oh, by the way, we're going to do it again. And we're going to keep going back to this because this is something we got to keep putting on as a church family. But I kind of went away from what we normally do, and I took us into Psalm 119. 
And when I got together with all the men on Tuesday morning, I, I, I just kind of showed them as I was preparing this week. I said, look at Psalm 119 because it, it talks about in Psalm 119 how we should love to walk in the law of the Lord, how we should seek him with our whole heart. But then in verse 9 it says, how can a young man keep his way pure? And it answers right there. By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you, Lord. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Every action begins with a thought. Every action begins with a thought. And I don't know about you, but I want to store up in my heart and in my mind the things of God because right thinking will always produce right living. And if you want to truly enjoy what it means to follow Christ, especially as we've talked about, when you get on the river, when the rapids start going crazy, when the wind starts knocking you down, if you really want to serve Jesus faithfully in every season of life, you've got to work on this. You've got to practice this. You've got to stop saying, Pastor, feed me, and start feeding yourself. You've got to start owning this daily. I'm so thankful that in Christ Jesus, we have a righteousness. And that righteousness comes from our surrender. We are justified by Christ. Our transformation, we are sanctified throughout life. But number three, our faith, we are glorified for all eternity. We are glorified for all eternity. Listen, if you really believe in the truth of God's word for eternity, then your faith in Jesus is so important. It's so important. We're about to take communion together. And, and this time is going to be a time, the band's going to be coming up and, and getting ready for this time, leading us into a couple more songs here. But I, I brought up this, our faith, we are glorified for all eternity. Because in Christ Jesus, we know Satan can't take our soul. Once we're saved, we're always saved. But this subject of righteousness... This subject of daily becoming more like Christ, this subject of the responsibility we have because of the gift of grace to be witnesses for him to the ends of the earth. We've talked about it. One of the ways in which Satan wants to win in your life, he can't fully mess with you, but he can distract you. He can convince you that living for Christ isn't that important. And how many people today, maybe that's you right now, have given up on Jesus because of people who said they loved Jesus but didn't live for Jesus. See, I'm motivated by my faith and my understanding that Jesus has sealed it. He has delivered it for all eternity. I know in Christ Jesus, Jesus wins and I get to experience that victory, but I also know that others haven't. And my faith in Jesus and my belief in knowing that because Jesus has got me for all eternity drives me to make sure that as many people around me will also know that too. See, we're putting on the spiritual armor of God. 
And this blessed breastplate of righteousness for us is not just for us. It's for the world to see Christ in us. And there are people right now, I just hate to tell you, they're not going to watch my sermon, but they're watching you. They're watching you. And when they're watching you, what are they seeing? I love how it's put in another part of scripture. What are they smelling? For Paul tells us that in Christ, we should be the aroma of Christ. The aroma of Christ. So when people meet you, are they meeting Jesus in and through you? See, the righteousness of the church is not just for ourselves. The righteousness of the church is for our witness of this good news of Jesus to the world. And if we can now go back, I don't want to ever get over the fact that Jesus paid it all. And as we challenge ourselves to put on the whole armor of God, I, I read something this week. Listen to this description. In ancient times, before a squire was knighted, he would spend the night in vigil in the castle chapel with his armor spread out before him, maybe on his bed as he offered up his soul to God. You see, this is the way in similar fashion to cry out to God for his armor. For he is the one who teaches us the ways of war and fights the battle through our hands and feet. It is in communion with Christ that the armor is set and reset for battle. So we must allow him to lock in that belt of truth real tight. We must surrender to him to lower that breastplate of righteousness. Because thus armed, we may ask that his truth and righteousness permeate our speech and life. I want to invite you right now. We gave you a little bit of a heads up, and even if you can't do this in this moment, I want to invite you at some point as we worship King Jesus together to partake in the elements. We're going to do this in remembrance of Jesus, and we're going to ask this Jesus who paid it all to clothe us his truth and righteousness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 25, it says, for I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, this, this body of Christ that was broken for us. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. 
So partake right now in this element and thank the Lord for his body. It's through his body that was broken that we have life. In the same way, he took the cup, the cup which symbolizes the blood of Christ, and after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So take that cup, that juice or that wine, and do this in remembrance of the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for your body. Thank you for your blood. Lord, we want to be people who put on the breastplate of righteousness. May we be people that love your righteousness and love living out your righteousness. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.